welcome back to another episode of the podcast. We are starting, we're actually recording on a beautiful day. It's really hot here, Megan. I, I mean, it's always hot in San Diego, but it's an unusually bright and sunny day. So we're recording extra early today so that we can both like gallivant out and about. So I kind of like doing day recordings like this. I think it's fun. So, and we like to keep it short and sweet too during the day. <laughs> I feel like when we do nighttime stuff, we just like tell each other long, long stories. <laughs> I know. We're trying to put each other to sleep is what's happening. Yeah, yeah basically. Basically. Well, Megan, do you just want to get into it? I'm down to just start. Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. Megan All has right. told me her topic beforehand <laughs> and I was quite interested. So let's yes. see what this is. All right, Megan, tell tell the Poison Pals what you're going to be talking about today. All right. So we are going to be talking about toddlers getting absolutely smacked on weed (laughs) it's a little more serious than that to be honest but uh yeah Yeah. i'll be talking about how there has been an increase in the rise of overdoses in children ingesting marijuana and marijuana products interesting so i this was inspired by like you know how when you open a web browser sometimes it'll just automatically (laughs) put like news articles that might interest you um like in the below the search engine and so something from the new york times popped up and it caught my eyes and um so the new york times actually did a very short article about this phenomenon that's happening and i wanted to bring it to the cast because you know our country has a very interesting relationship with marijuana and weed consumption harina and i we live in california so you know the stereotype is that this state is a pot loving state and Just a cloud I mean, of smoke. right right <laughs> And um, so I feel like with that, living in a state where it's recreational (laughs) weed use Mm -hmm. is totally legalized, that also, I feel like that gives us a certain type of bias or whatever. And so, so yeah, I wanted to talk about the potential of marijuana overdoses in children. And the bias that I'm leaning towards is this concept of, you know, if you are tuned into weed culture a little bit to a point where you even kind of know the pharmacology of weed Mm -hmm. and um, all those components of what how weed impacts the body there is this kind of almost like a trivialization of weed use in terms of like oh you know there's no such thing as overdose of weed leading to death you know what I mean and kind of being like oh no like weed use is the safest illicit drug use essentially mm-hmm. and in my mind i do have that bias uh yeah, because i'm same. like oh compared to all the other drugs that we talk about or some other drugs that we talk about and the poisons yeah. we talk about i'm like okay marijuana is pretty harmless but mm-hmm. what happens when a child under the age of 12 ingests marijuana my so lord that's that's what we're gonna talk about and then at the okay. end if you have any parents on this listening to this i'll try to be as helpful as possible in terms of yeah. how to prevent uh mm-hmm. your kids getting into your gummies <laughs> so here we go <laughs> poison center calls associated with pediatric exposure to cannabis has increased in the united states from 2017 to 2019 and mm. this is especially mm. in states where recreational cannabis and medicinal cannabis but like it's definitely been boosted because of recreational cannabis cannabis legalization so states where that's legalized we've seen an increase in 
you know, pediatric exposure to, mm -hmm. to cannabis. Anyway, and this research brief was published in the journal Pediatrics in 2021. So there was like in 2021, they did a study comparing how, you know, how many poison control calls have been going on between 2017 and 2019, mm -hmm. all that. Mm -hmm. This phenomenon, which they, they, which they found occurs most commonly with three to five-year-olds so oh it the the age range was like you know 12 and under but they noticed mm -hmm. significantly it's like three to five-year-olds who are most likely to you know get their hands on cannabis or a weed product and right. you know end up having a accidental overdose Yikes. So I wanted to list real quickly what are the states where recreational weed use is now legal. It's 19, one of them being D.C., but Washington, Colorado, California, Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, Montana, Oregon, Alaska, Illinois, Michigan, Virginia, New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Jersey, D.C. area, as I said, Maine and Vermont. So, you know, yeah. I don't know why some of those surprised me when I <laughs> they saw that, me. but I was like, oh, okay, like it's pretty sprinkled out along the West yeah. and East Coast. Yep. In Washington state, which I believe is the state who has the longest legalization of recreational weed, unintentional cannabis exposures among children under six nearly tripled in the five oh. years after retail cannabis stores opened, according to a 2020 data report from the Washington Poison Center. Oh Canada is experiencing the same phenomenon. A study published in JAMA Network Open examined, found that a greater proportion of children were hospitalized after marijuana edibles were legalized in 2020. So all of Canada, it's legal? I think so. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm... Okay pretty sure <laughs> i can double check that too yeah, yeah please insane. fact check me but i am pretty confident that it is legalized and uh the question i think that is natural to kind of ask first is well how is this happening besides like the uptick of legalization of weed well you know one thing that i also wanted to talk about is that myth of people trying to secretly poison kids on the street with their weed or their you know medicinal gummies or candies or whatever right and right. typically you'll see that type of myth being perpetuated around halloween time and you know like what are the memes I think we on perpetuate that too exactly <laughs> oh, the, the memes online how it's yeah. you know it goes back to that concept of the candy the apple with the razor right. in it we there has been an uptick in the last couple of years of actually law enforcement including the dea um mm -hmm. tweeting like hey be careful when you take your kids trick-or-treating because these edible products they look just like the real things yeah. like they look like knockoff skittles or knockoff cheetos or whatever while that is true the likelihood of somebody willing to one give away their $20 bag of edible Skittles just to, you know, fuck with little kids is mm -hmm. super unlikely mm -hmm. and pretty much debunked entirely. Um, there is a gentleman that uh, the, the New York Times also did a piece on this, but there is a guy out there who literally spent his time debunking every moment in media history where they've put out a headline that like oh it, something was put inside a food object and given to children and he started his search in articles you know going all the way back to 1958 and wow. every single time that these articles came out 
further research showed that it typically was a prank, like it wasn't real, someone was lying about it, or it was like it's not mass, like a mass, it's not a mass phenomenon. It's it's one person who is just being an ass. And when I say that, like one of the examples was, I guess, back in the 80s, a woman who worked at a grocery store did put like needles among the fruit, but it wasn't like oh targeting God. children. It was just, right. you know, it's just not this concept of like people are trying to target children with harmful objects. It's not the case. Right. So, that, so anyway, that study he did or mm-hmm. not study, I guess, but like that research he did, it wasn't specific to weed. It's just like that general concept of people putting things in children's candy. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So it was kind of like he was working backwards because it's right. it there's those those moments in history where for example the woman who did put needles amongst the fruit at a grocery counter or whatever that is used by media to sensationalize yeah like drugs are getting put in stuff too yeah yeah yeah. you know and so but from what he found he's like this is not real it's a total myth and yet parents are still yeah parents are still worried about it so yeah no, sorry. I was just going to say that blows my mind because I I think I would say majority of people have that belief. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, like people like even if you've never experienced it, which is funny because like I don't know anyone close to me who's ever seen that or experienced that as a child growing mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. We all know that like that's something all of our parents have told us being like, be careful, be like check. They'll check all your candy. But I've never seen that. So it's just like this spun story. Right. Apparently. I will definitely link this article about this guy debunking yeah, all these moments, <laughs> these moments I'm or curious. debunking the concept of yeah. candy being drugged during Halloween and people are handing it out or whatever. But he mm-hmm. there was something that said, like, he believes that what really started it all is that there was a dentist. I forget what time period it was, maybe before the 80s. There was it. a dentist out there who did coat laxative pills and oh, passed it out no. to kids. Yeah. For what reason? <sighs> I don't know. To probably to cause harm, but that is yeah. where he thinks this myth started in the in this small, you know, moment in time. And now oh. it's like they're used as a widespread like people are, you know. Well, definitely yeah. he, I definitely know why that dentist did it. It's because the kids aren't coming to their dental appointments <laughs> and they're eating all too much candy, just like this literally is what happened in Bob's Burgers. Yes. You yes. Like, the Bob's I don't know Burgers. what he did, but he I don't think he poisoned the candies, but he stole all the candies, yes, right? He did. All the kids. Right. So it's the same thing. Like the dentist just wants kids to think that candy is gross and it gives you the fits. <laughs> I know. I'm, oh, I'm always kind of, that's a great theory. I am confused by that theory only because I'm like, man, if I was a dentist, I'd be like, yeah, fuck it up. Fuck it up. Fuck up your teeth. Let me get in there and make that's you spend some money to drill. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's true. That sounds so bad though. Cause that would mean ill willing things on yeah, people, no. but I'm like, that would be my source of income. If people have good teeth, like I can't drill nothing. <laughs> yeah. true 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 wow i believe that and that the other thing i'm curious and you'll probably send it to me anyways mm -hmm. but i'm sure he found what was a fact in his study is Mm -hmm. that people are lame and do hand out raisins (laughs) (laughs) i'm not sure if that's in his i have fun raisins is true this is true i don't know why people feel that raisins are a good choice if they're trying to make it healthy because if you know, raisins are the highest sugary content fruit snack out there. It's just fucking grapes. That. Grapes are high in sugar. So I don't yeah. know 
what type of moral message someone's trying to send when they give raisins on Halloween. So, yeah. So <laughs> stop that. Just stop. stop. <laughs> stop. For the children's sake, stop giving them raisins. Yes. Exactly. Um, all right. So, so I'm only saying that because I don't want people to associate like, oh, there's been an uptake in weed overdoses and, you know, young, young kids because of laced Halloween candy. True. That is not the case at all. The reality is kids get their hands on weed Mm -hmm. if it's in the house that they're living in. If their parents consume it, it is likely that they're going to get their hands on it. And that is how it's happening. No one's giving it to them. It is just children are exploratory creatures mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know i thought about your niece Aishu yeah. when i was doing this i'm just like you know children when they're learning they like to taste everything to put yes. stuff in their mouth to know yes. they're kind of like sharks sharks bite things to know what it is <laughs> so I anyway I, I mean that's what i've learned but again it's not like i've actually looked into that i feel like people tell me that and i just assume i like um, that i like that fact so, yeah um, Cool. Wait, Megan, just uh, real quick before I forget. Uh, so I looked it up. Cannabis is legal all across Canada. Nice. Should be nice. called scan. Uh, I can't make it work. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm sure they've tried to make jokes of how to Canaba. combine cannabis. Oh, okay. Cannaba. Can- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Canadioid. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. So that's the name of the episode. <laughs> this is just to make it clear. Like, if, mm. if kids are, if a poison control center is getting a call that a toddler has overdosed or if a toddler is coming into an emergency room because there's THC in their system, it's most likely because they got it in the house some yeah. way, somehow. If you are someone who's familiar with weed products these days, especially edibles, they are sugary sweets, right? They have a sugary element to it. They are packaged in very alluring packaging. <laughs> Even to my eyes, I'm like, oh, this is so pleasant. Like, yes. look at this canister. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And those are two things that appeal to a young mind way more. So they're going to get their yeah. hands on So I'm going to tell a story real quick. This is actually, if you were to research like this topic in, in mm. general, you'd probably run across this story. But in 2021, a woman by the name Elizabeth Perry, she's she's a mother from Maryland. She had to take her 20-month-old son, Oliver, to the emergency room because he overdosed on marijuana edibles containing THC. Oh my gosh. I want to make clear real quickly, when I'm talking about overdose overdosing on edibles, most of the time it is THC marijuana. Like there's THC mm-hmm. in it. There is less evidence of young children getting into a CBD product and having the okay. same, you know, negative effect. So it is it. predominantly THC products. And so we'll get into why, it, you know, THC has that effect and all that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Elizabeth Perry, she brings her son all over to the emergency room. At first, she noticed that he was, you know, a little more lethargic than usual. And then he started crying and then shaking and then seizing up. So that oh was the pros- progress of the THC entering his system. Doctors determined that Oliver had eaten about 15 THC gummies. That's about 75 milligrams of THC. That's more than seven times the typical adult dose. Now, for anyone who's done edibles, especially like, you know, what what is sold nowadays. Um, what's that one brand? I hope I don't get 
you know, sued by them or anything. But it's just the brand. It's in, it comes in a can and a lot of people always buy it to sleep and it's a really beautiful can. Anyway, mm-hmm. I can take one of those and I am done. Like I exactly. am done. Right. So when I heard about the story of this child oh, just no. ingested 15 gummies because think about a toddler's mind. When they're eating it, it tastes sweet. They don't know the effects that it's going to have. They don't know what a THC gummy is. They're probably like, candy, candy, candy. (laughs) Probably. In fact, I think there's about 15 gummies in that canister alone. So he probably got the whole canister in his mouth. Just like all of it. Right. And so he just got fucked up. (laughs) Like, fucked up. I can't even imagine. This is a child that's just under two years old taking in that amount of THC. I don't even like to do edibles anymore. This is personal. Like Same. I'm not trying to, I'm not try, trying to talk down edible use or THC use as sure. adults. Like do it if you, if you like it, if it feels yeah, good yeah. for you, do it. But yeah. I know for myself, I'm like, yeah, one edible I'm out. Or honestly, I just feel so not great after the yeah. day. Yeah. So I can't imagine what this child experienced, not even knowing what was happening to his body, you know? I all right this so is, that's just like that's borderline unbelievable like that's how insane this is I right. can't I I mean I totally agree with you Megan like I don't really do I don't do edibles yeah. anymore right because of that reason like one I'll take half and it still like messes me up you know right right I just and so so yeah I wanted to talk about like okay like understanding the issue is that these poison control calls children are eating edibles okay so if you've had edibles like this you could probably empathize on some level but they're eating edibles they're not eating nor smoking you know they're they're not like smoking a vape they're not smoking a piece (laughs) or a bong they're eating edibles which are typically higher in potency and they're a delayed release because it has to get digested and go into your blood system so it's Mm -hmm. just so much more powerful especially with how small the size and body is that's taking it in right Right. so it's going it's it's just like common sense why it's going to have a much more negative impact on a child's body okay so what happens to a child that ingests marijuana and we can have an idea of what what happens to a child that ingests an abundance of marijuana but like in general what can happen to a child is there long-term effects you know cognition on cognition or how your brain develops or whatever is there you know a risk to their health uh ultimately so i wanted to answer those questions as well but first i think it's important that we understand how thc thc specifically interacts with our bodies Mm -hmm. to know why it could be harmful just to i guess harmful to anybody so okay in humans we have the endocannabinoid system and i'm curious harini as a pharmacist mm-hmm. did you learn a lot about the endocannabinoid system while in school yeah i actually did a whole presentation on cbd oh snaps okay <laughs> yeah so if you want to talk about that later you oh, no, no, no. <laughs> um, let me pull up my notes <laughs> i will i will say um what i thought would be a very straightforward you know, biological system, neurological, mm. system, whatever it's called, uh, you know, system yeah. in your body. Yeah. It's pretty like, like CBD, uh, cannabinoids mm. as a whole are really fascinating and very complex. Like yeah. how they work with the body. Totally. I could not digest that in one go. Like I definitely not enough to really um, go to all the details today, which is probably a good thing. But I was like, yeah, yeah this is a lot. <laughs> like I don't get 
how this works in some ways, but I'll try to keep it super simple. So we I'm have our pull up my my deck just in case. You yeah, yeah. Can add to anything. Cool, cool. So we have the endocannabinoid system within us. It's a mm -hmm. neuromodulatory system that plays an important role in our central nervous system development, our synaptic plasticity, and the response to endogenous and environmental threats, essentially. So mm -hmm. like one way that I could also put that is our endocannabinoid system does help with regulating us and our homeostasis. The I'm just going to call it the ECS moving forward. The ECS is made up of cannabinoid receptors, endogenous cannabinoids, also known as endocannabinoids. Um, those are the cannabinoids that we make naturally in our body. And in, in a way, they're not even the same as organic cannabinoids in plants. The endocannabinoids are actually like lipid lipid ligands or something. Um, so it's not necessarily a neurotransmitter, but it works similarly. Anyway, and then there's also the enzymes that are responsible for the creation and degradation of these endocannabinoids. So that's the components of the ECS. A cannabinoid is a chemical compound that can be naturally occurring, um, as we find in the cannabis plant, and actually occurs in different plants as well outside of the cannabis family. There are at least 113 distinct cannabinoids that have been isolated from cannabis alone. Of course, can cannabinoids can also be produced synthetically, and they function as neurotransmitters when introduced into our body. Mm -hmm. Two of the most well-known cannabinoids are, I mentioned them earlier, CBD and THC. Research suggests that the ECS may help regulate the following functions in our body, appetite and digestion, sleep, mm -hmm. pain sensation, inflammation and other immune responses, our mood, metabolism, learning and memory in our reproduction system yep. and how that functions. <clears throat> when THC enters the body, it can overwhelm our ECS by attaching to cannabinoid receptors Therefore, our own, you know, homemade endocannabinoids are unable to attach and do their job of fine tuning the communication between our neurons, which can throw the entire system off balance. Because cannabinoid receptors are in so many parts of the brain and the body, by the way, it's, um, I didn't say this earlier, but our cannabinoid receptors, CB1 and CB2, that's what they're called. Mm -hmm. They are all over our body. It's not just yeah. in the brain. They, um, they're in our central nervous system, mm -hmm. parts of the liver. There's some in our reproductive system. It's all over. Yep. So heart, brain, lungs, mm -hmm. all over. Yeah. So because these receptors are so spread out in our body, the effects of THC are very wide ranging. So when THC enters, like can it can touch everything. Yeah. And it can slow down a person's reaction time, disrupt the ability to remember things that just happened. It can cause anxiety and affect judgment. Sometimes THC will target receptors in our brain a little bit more, and that can affect concentration, thinking, sensory and time perception, pleasure, memory, and coordination. Over Overactivation of these areas by THC is what causes that high. THC is the psychoactive part of you know, cannabis, CBD mm -hmm. is the non-psychoactive part. And actually, researchers believe that CBD is there so that it can like make THC chill out. C CBD is there to be like, whoa, you're going too right. crazy with the psychoactive. Calm your shit down. Yeah. So that is important so that you understand if this is what happens when THC enters a person, like a, a full grown adult, 
imagine a developing body having THC put in their system. Oftentimes when poison control centers or emergency rooms see a child who has overdosed on THC, they are as you know, Oliver was earlier, they were sleepy at first, but then they definitely have struggle with balancing, balancing, like their motor skills are a little bit wonky. And then, you know, when you have no concept of why you feel so strange, it can cause anxiety and actually increase blood pressure. And that can cause in one case, that was kind of debated. um, There was a child who got myocarditis uh, after they consumed cannabis. Mm -hmm. And this mo- this one happened in 2017, and this was an 11-month-old child, 11-month-old child, who um, ended up getting myocarditis after consuming it and then died. And a lot of media and like news outlets latched onto that and were like, this is the first instance of a marijuana-related death. And they used mm-hmm. that when actually the doctors who filled out the report and did the, you know, after study or whatever might it yeah. might be called they were very quick to say like hey 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 don't sensationalize this we're not saying definitively that marijuana caused the myocarditis all we are yeah. saying is that we didn't find any other reasons so we need to study this further right so that's just putting it out there that like there's more but like from what i've gathered doing this research mm-hmm. i'm just like better play it just play it safe like I don't think any young child should be ingesting any of this stuff in general. Yeah, definitely. Right. Most of the time, I mean, the good news is majority of the emergency room visits that the pediatrics journal, um, you know, listed or observed all came out with like a positive, uh, like they all recovered from their. Wow. Okay. Their, their overdose, essentially the most, the most common severe side effect would be respiratory problems. And so sometimes doctors do need to administer oxygen or like give some form of oxygen. In other cases, some did need to have an IV fluid put in there to regulate you know, their, their blood pressure. And on very, very, very rare occasions, I want to stress very, 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 some children did experience seizures uh, when they overdosed on cannabis. So, Megan, does that yeah. um, recovery extend to the story that you told of the one? Yes, the child who took he fully recovered. I think oh, that he man. was administered probably some IV fluids and oxygen. Wow. And the thing is, um, there is no antidote to a THC overdose. You just have to yeah. monitor the child and also check for any injuries that might have happened prior to getting to the hospital. Because like I said, your motor skills go out of whack, especially at such a young age. You don't know yeah. if they lost balance and fell and also concussed themselves, you know? Sure. So that, that sort of Great thing point. is possible. Yeah. Yeah. You just kind of have to wait for all the like the neurotransmitters to fall off essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Which, Which they have, I don't know if you're going to get into. No, no, you can go ahead. <laughs> no, um, I was going to say, let me actually get to it. Yeah. I was looking at just like that half-life. I don't know if we've talked about half-life yet on the podcast, but half-life is basically the rate at which a concentration of the drug is leaving or excreting out of your body. So like if a half-life is three hours, that means it takes three hours for half of the drug to excrete out of your body. Right. So for cannabinoids or THC in particular, that half-life can go up to 22 hours. Mm. So 
that's quite long. That's like in, if we're if we're looking at like drugs in general, that's pretty long, so to speak, right. especially for something that is you're taking recre- recreationally. Mm-hmm. So you're just kind of like waiting. And that really also depends. Like we've talked about this before. It depends on how you ingest it. Like are you inhaling it? Are you eating it orally? So even um, like CBD half-life post-inhalation is about 31 hours and mm. oral administration is like two to five days. Right. So it's a huge – that's a huge jump. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, That's And just applying that to a small child who's going through 22 hours of hell or more. God, mm, horrible. I don't even know. Oh, yeah. I, poor kid. I know. I'm, I'm um, actually very – I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm very surprised, but I was really worried that – you know, there would be like lasting damage or, you know, mm. I don't know, because I, I, I've i never heard of a child taking that much. And mm. I, so it's like uncharted territory for me to know right. what would happen post all of that. Right. So I am going to get into that because it's one thing to have immediate symptoms and what you can expect in the hospital if you do take your child to the emergency room. And I wanted to reiterate, you know, the good news is there's usually a, uh, it's a very high chance of a positive outcome. Mm. The kid just literally right. just needs to get that shit out of their system and rest it off. Um, yeah. Are there long-term, you know, cognitive uh, neurological mm-hmm. effects mm-hmm. on the brain? So well, long answer short, unfortunately there is not enough studies out there right now to determine whether there is an impact on, you know, adolescent usage of marijuana. And also like ethically you can't, you know, <laughs> put marijuana in a child's body and try to see what happens right over time in a longitudinal study. However, there is review, a review of all the literature essentially that has been trying to do these studies in front. It's in the journal of frontiers in psychiatry. And what they determined from the literature is that cannabis use during the critical neurodevelopmental period of adolescence may I'm going to stress stress this. It is the word may, not will. Okay, it may lead to brain structural, functional and histological alterations that may underpin some of the longer term behavioral and psychological harms associated with it. Current evidence indicates that adolescence is a sensitive period during which cannabis use may result in adverse neurocognitive effects that appear to show a level of permanency into adulthood. Now understand this study is a review of multiple other studies that have limitations and you really do need to take it with a grain of salt. But ultimately the people who put this review together were like, yes, while there are limitations, we just, you know, be cautious. There's, it's always going to be better to be cautious rather than completely disregard, um, you know, regardless of the limitations, what they're trying to get at ultimately is that your your when your brain is developed, brain and body is developing at that young age. You it is just so sensitive, so we can't be sure of how THC may really impact your cognition at that age and how that's going to yeah. you know make is it will it be permanent later on? So mm-hmm. um, I thought about also. I was hanging out with a friend recently and she was telling me about like her wild friends back home. And she was talking about how one of her friends was, you know, was pregnant with her first child, but was still doing edibles while pregnant. Mm. And after reading all this stuff, while, 
there's no, you know, we don't know if there's an addictive nature, if it's, you know, given to you through the placenta or whatever, if the Mm -hmm. kid's going to come out a certain way. But given how high levels of THC may impact a living toddler who's like three to five years old, to me, I'm like, oh, to like ingest it while the baby's in the tummy. Yeah. I don't want to pass judgment because maybe you need the edibles to be comfortable in your pregnancy. I get that. But I, at the same time, I'm like, it's just going directly to the fetus. Yeah. And um, yeah. a fetus at that point, as a, 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 once it's part at a point of certain development, it's like a little baby in your tummy. Yeah. And I'm like, totally. just equate it to giving a baby an edible. Like it's going <laughs> to be sleepy in your tummy or it might get anxious. You know, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. So that is just my thoughts on that. Going back to the Frontiers in Psychiatry review, Mm. it's also a comment on are these long-term adolescent users versus maybe a child that smoked once? You know what I mean? That can also impact, you know, long-term effects. If there are, you know, if if these long-term effects are legitimate, I think obviously if you're smoking a lot when you're young, that can potentially heighten the risk versus like I puffed once or I had an edible once. Um, Yeah. And so there's actually another study that kind of does talk on that. Um, It's through the university of Queensland, Australia school of public Mm. health. Um, And I actually saw this study pop up as an article on Reddit, but I just like Mm. skipped over it, (laughs) but I found it again. And I was like, Oh, this is a study. Um, Cool. They found that young people who stop using cannabis or amphetamines before becoming adults experience life success at the same levels as those who have never used drugs. And quote, we found no significant impact on adult life in study participants who started using cannabis or cannabis and amphetamines before turning 21, but Mm. who stopped before they reached the age of 30. Professor Najman um, said, that's the professor that led the study. He continues, However, we found people who used cannabis and amphetamines at 30 had substantially lower levels of life success. And this article, again, take it with a grain of salt because I'm sure there are people out there in their 30s who do some form of, you know, marijuana or amphetamines, maybe in the form of ADHD medication Mm -hmm. that are successful. Right. Um, But if you want to look at the study, again, we'll drop it in our notes in the, you know, on podcast title or whatever it's called the note yeah. section um mm-hmm. it it the study does go further to discuss the factors that researchers researchers use to determine what is life success too so like you know right. that could be something yeah. that's defined differently from how i might define it but um sure. i just thought that was interesting that is interesting um, because i that have a- quite a few friends who like smoked a lot in high school and they stopped you know um during their college years or whatever and they've become really successful <laughs> so and i'm just like oh okay like anecdotally like i i agree with that <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i was like i i do think i agree with that as well because i i'm thinking of people i know who kind of fit into those categories and right pretty damn successful right right (laughs) so and and also a note i think that's a great note to bring up about the amphetamine use it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be you know street drugs right use it could be also adhd meds but what i also wanted to say like going back to 
we don't really have a lot of answers in terms of how CBD or THC really affects, more likely THC affects young children. And it's kind of those catch-22s because you can't study that. Mm -hmm. So in that population, if you're not able to study it, the best, most logical answer is to not use it in those patient Mm -hmm. populations or even just like in those populations as a whole. So you don't want to take that risk of doing it or even like having your kid accidentally ingest it or having it lying around because right. just just because you don't have an answer either way like it, what if it's totally fine maybe but we don't know so why take the risk right it's um and i'm sure uh, this is this is not like a great argument i guess but to me i'm like you know thc is the psychoactive part of marijuana think about other type of psychoactive products or psychedelics that are out there Mm -hmm. to me i'm like i it's not an i'm it's not me equating it but i'm also like like you wouldn't want your kid to get into your bag of shrooms if you have that at your house (laughs) because that can be maybe emotionally traumatizing who knows right and so i'm like it goes back to this concept of trivializing the uh, yes. impact of weed. Maybe yes, with adults, we can trivialize that, whatever, but because we have the you know, frontal brain decision-making skills to understand how we're dosing ourselves and what we're putting mm-hmm. into our body. But mm-hmm. with a kid, like, yeah, you got to be very mindful of, you know, we just don't know right now how weed can, if they have those long-term effects that were mentioned or right. you know obviously based on the the pediatrics review of you know all the cases from 2017 to 2019 these are all kids who are going to the emergency room so clearly in yep. in its immediacy it is not good for a child to be no. ingesting so totally. and uh, there are laws and in place in these states of course mm-hmm. who have legalized cannabis mm-hmm. unless that child or person is allowed to is able to go drive themselves to the right. store to the dispensary and purchase on their own right. they're they're not going to be ingesting that or they should not be ingesting that right that's kind of my take on it just to be if you want to be conservative about it that's the yeah. approach to go because you just don't want to risk it like a biscuit Right. And so for people who are listening and are wondering about, okay, what about products that don't have uh, THC and it's like a CBD product? Well, actually, there are a lot of CBD products um, out there for that are for children to use to, as maybe an alternative to a Ritalin or a ADHD drug. You know what I'm saying? So my thoughts on that are, if you want to use CBD on your kid, it doesn't seem like it's you know, bad at all, to be honest. That's that's what I'm saying. But I'm sure on some level, there's just as much ambiguity there because I, I, I need to do more research on the CBD <laughs> side. But to, my, to yeah. me, I'm like, okay, uh, in, in, it, in terms of, you know, the fact that all these cases are strictly with products with THC and they're not, they're not just CBD related cases that I'm like, okay, CBD is safe. So if you are thinking about using it on your kid for some reason, you know, to help them stay calm, I don't think you have as much to worry about. Yeah. I would have some more research too, but I would think that is the case. Right. Right. One interesting thing I found out is that Colorado, which I think is the second longest, you know, legalized recreational weed state, they actually have laws in place now where if you are a recreational weed producer, you cannot package your stuff in things that make it look appealing to children. 
Like, I think there's regulatory laws in place in Colorado for that reason. So I was like, okay, Colorado, okay. I like that. I like yeah. that. I feel like it's almost, a, I don't know. I was going to say it was. it's probably okay to make the packaging nice and pretty for like actual bud or right. like, maybe rolled joints because right. I can't – Based on the research that you provide, it doesn't yeah. seem like kids are getting into that. It's more just like the things that you can actually eat and put in your right. mouth. And also like a, a child's palate at that time is going to yeah. be totally rejectful of any bitter thing. And eating flour does not taste sweet. So if no. they have <laughs> one bud or whatever or even bite down on it, there's going to be an automatic spitting of it out. Or if they do swallow, they're not going to have more. They're going to stop there. I yeah. agree. Mm-hmm. So – to summarize, because this is it. We're pretty much done. To summarize, this it's almost just like a PSA. It's one, if you know you have young children in your house, don't... I mean, you have to start giving them credit. Children are so capable of getting into things. If your cat can open a cabinet door, your child can open much more than that. So just, you know, be aware of how, you know, toddlers are so good at navigating the world and as much as it might have a child safety on it like some of those edible cans are you know pushed down and then release they can figure it out if they're determined oh, enough yeah. so that's that? lesson one essentially two if you des- like if you truly truly need a thc product in your house hide it hide it hide it doctors actually recommend don't eat it in front of your kid because the moment they see that packaging if it is appealing to them, they will be intrigued and kids want to mimic what their adults, you know, the adults that they're doing that they observe, they want to mimic that behavior. So if it's an appealing package and they want to mimic you, they're going to try to find it. So a lot of doctors say, you know, just don't eat, just don't eat it in front of them, hide it, you know, eat it in your bedroom or whatever. That's, that's two. The third thing is, let's say your kid does get into it and overdoses. Um, I've been using the term overdose. Another way to call it is called acute intoxication. Uh, And intoxication actually is any um, acute intoxication is any moment that ingesting marijuana has an adverse effect. So even if it's a small amount, if there's an adverse effect, it's called acute intoxication. Anyway, so if a child does get into a product, some people would say, you know, call the poison control center. But Overall, I would just bring them straight to the emergency room just so you can figure out, you know, what's going on with them. Why are they sleepy? It's one of those things where it's like, ultimately, it's up to you. Poison Control Center is a good first step, but they're like, they might just say, go to the emergency room at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, if you don't want to waste some precious minutes, just go straight to um, the hospital and then get your kid on some fluids and uh, monitor their breathing or whatever, right? Depending on how much they ate. And um, the last thing is, at the end of the day, if you do have a moment like this where your kid ingested a lot, don't be too worried that they're going to have like a brain development ab- abnormality. It's a, it's typically a one-time instance. They will probably be feeling loopy for the next couple of days, especially if they're eating 15 gummies at once. They're probably going to be feeling that, uh, that post high. But the reality is it's, you know... Changes in your neurodevelopment, your cognition is more likely to happen if you are continuously consuming or smoking the product. So like, don't be too stressed out if if your young, young kid gets into it. It's not like they're going to continue getting into it unless you're not being responsible and leaving that shit out still. So 
Yeah. One hundo. No, great PSA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the, the last thing I wanted to say was it has nothing to do with this ish, but I was just saying this is something that I have has always fascinated me about cannabinoids in general, mm-hmm. because as you described and talked about, we have endocannabinoids mm-hmm. that, you know, can bind to natural cannabinoid systems mm-hmm. that we mm-hmm. find in our plants, like how we have we smoke marijuana plants, whatever. Right. But my the whole point with that is I think that's so wild to think that there are natural endogenous receptors in our body that is found and mimicked in like natural life, like in a right. plant. Yeah. Like that is wild. Like yeah. just sit and think about that for a second. You're like, whoa, like how did that develop? And like that tells me when there's something that has evolved in that way. And it's and you got to think about it, as Megan pointed out. It's everywhere. We have these receptors in every part of our body. Why is that? We we clearly evolved to be this way. Mm-hmm. And I'm just very curious, like how that played played a role, maybe like in our ancestors, like even back all the way to like Neanderthal times. Like, mm-hmm. did this play a very crucial role in our survival and development? Yeah, um, that is a question for Reddit. I absolutely. Um, That is the exact question that came to my mind when I was doing my brief research on cannabinoids. And I was just like, well, one, I always find it so absolutely mind blowing whenever we have a very specific system in place that is for one specific thing only, or like one specific plant or whatever, you know, an an example of that would be like, I guess it's not not in us, but like, those um frogs that have that one particular opioid only in their species you know i'm like why is that like it's just for this one thing but i had the same question i'm like i am curious to know what research is out there about our evolution and what was going on back in the day that we (laughs) our bodies needed this system this endocannabinoid system it's super interesting um so cool yeah Thanks, so Megan. that was great. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it. you know. <laughs> that was no. It's really informative, and I. It's true because now that uh, weed has become more mainstream, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd say this is. I'm sure this is a problem that many parents face or right. might face. So it's right. a great PSA to new parents, seasoned parents, and so right, on. Right, right. Yeah, Good and job. at the end of the day, like. This is the stuff that I gathered. If you're still not trusting of the stuff that I've said, like, you know, do your research, you know, like I can't, nobody can dictate how you choose to enjoy weed amongst your kids. Or Mm -hmm. I I honestly, I'm thinking back to like the woman who was pregnant and having her edibles. And I'm just like, you know, I, I can't tell her how to live her life, but I do think like, you know, do what you should do if if you if you care about your kids ultimately as little people like do your research and hopefully mm-hmm. it gives you answers so do your research and if you're confused or you want more concrete information always talk to your doctor you know right. like make those decisions with your doctor too especially if you're pregnant or thinking about getting pregnant mm-hmm. whatever if you have those questions that's what they're there for ask them the questions and one thing i will say i will correct myself when i say you know this is great psa for new parents or seasoned parents this is also great psa for anyone who is around kids mm-hmm. and i'm i'm like looking at myself you know now that i have a young niece who's around that age as that that young boy who ingested mm-hmm. 15 gummies mm-hmm. 
if I have anything lying around, that's a PSA for me too. Like before right. any of my nieces or nephews come over, I need to make sure that everything is away and hidden. So absolutely, anyone who's around kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, cool. Do you want to do? Antidotes? Yeah, let's do antidotes. Okay. Um, my antidote is uh, Dave and I don't usually like the same shows <laughs> or okay. watch the same right, types right. of shows. So we've actually been into some shows together. So it's kind of nice. Like after dinner, we'll just like sit down and we'll be excited to like watch a show together that we mm-hmm. both thoroughly enjoy. So that's just kind of nice because it gets gives us time to spend time together. Plus, I'm done with my exam. So I have all this free time that I didn't have before. So I'm, I'm really excited to just, um, have my life back. Yeah. My antidote is, uh, I, I like how we always, <laughs> we always look around the room as if we're, we see to find something in the air. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so my antidote yeah. is that I did recently go on a cruise. It was just a three day trip from Long Beach to Ensenada. I went with a coworker of mine. She was such a good time, but I, I hadn't been on a cruise since I was like six years old. So mm-hmm. many, many years have passed and I did have that like curiosity that needed to be satiated. So when right, she asked right. me, I was like, huh, I don't know what it's like as an adult. I'm going to go. Yeah. Um, I am so glad that I did. It was I I want to say it was such a fun experience and it was but to me it was like more interesting than fun like it was yeah, so yeah. like cruises are <laughs> such a weird parallel universe right? like I don't even know how to describe it like the Dude. the the fact that there is definitely people out there like cruises are their thing you know what I mean yes. and I I respect that but I'm like dude it is just like living on a a boat granted it's a massive boat but i just like the Mm -hmm. energy is i can only describe it as cruise energy there's no other energy energy. like you know what i mean i um it was just very interesting and i'm happy that i went to experience it also just totally will always totally be in awe at human engineering what we're capable of making that a vessel like that is so large and my cruise ship is actually considered small i went on the carnival radiance or whatever Mm -hmm. that's a small Mm -hmm. cruise ship wow despite it being massive Uh, (laughs) and to think that there's an another cruise ship out there i think it was i was doing like cruise research (laughs) for funsies yeah yeah there's another cruise ship that was just unveiled like a year ago that is like three four times the size of my cruise ship i'm just like it's like a city it's a floating city it's crazy it's wild like i i know this is a silly silly question but my mind was like how does this not sink straight to the bottom of the ocean in my mind i'm like it's such a massive structure that any type of like any type of right. harsh wave it does not phase it that is my theory i don't know Wild. how boats work but i'm like <laughs> it is so big that the, uh, a big wave is just like a little splash right right <laughs> no totally do yeah. cruises i'll never step on a cruise again nah. <laughs> well cruises blow my mind i'm thinking more of like the negative sides of things like i i think i listened to this one podcast episode where they talked about like how crazy it is to be on a cruise if a crime happens because mm-hmm. it's like the wild west because you're out in like international open waters like there's yeah. no there's no laws right <laughs> so yeah there's like 
they were like talking about like the stats of like how many people have gone missing and it's just they've never opened a case on it it just you're just always you're lost in the abyss yes and people who die like you just don't know you just you would never know right so nothing, they don't have any obligation i suppose to right. investigate it and then think about it like when you do come ashore and then you have you have some kind of law obviously right. on that land right then what do you do? Because you, how can you gather up so many people as witnesses? Like you can't, right. you can't stop people from leaving, and then that's it; they're gone. That person's yeah. gone. Yeah. So it's just kind of wild to me. <laughs> that, that's wild. Totally like this side, but, no, that's um, that's so interesting. I'm yeah. fascinated only because when I was on the boat, my brain went, "Man, if something goes down, or like you decide to commit a crime on this boat, you can't go anywhere. Like, what a no. mistake to like." My brain went the opposite direction. Yeah, I was yeah, like, you can't run off this boat. Like, if someone right. steals my purse, they can't go anywhere. And I can they find can. them at some level, mm-hmm. on some level. That's so. true. That is anyway. true. What, one last question I had. Did you have okay. good food? The food was good. Oh, okay. And the f- – so Shaq. <laughs> Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal, he has his own line of, like, little food stall on oh, okay. carnival sh- ships. <laughs> yeah. No, he was not on the boat with me, if that's what you're thinking. <laughs> And the food stall is a like Nashville hot chicken food stall. Girl, I was going hard on that. Oh my god. Hard. Was it all inclusive? I, so you could eat yes. however much you wanted? Yes. So for those of you who who do not know, like I didn't know originally, but your ticket for a cruise typically includes a bunch of free food on the boat. There are additional fees for like nicer restaurants if you wanted to do like a nicer mm. thing. But other sure. than that, if you didn't want to spend more money, there are free stalls. There's like a buffet and then there's wow. like a, there's a couple like Mexican, Nashville chicken, yeah. pizza, whatever. And I was like, the fact that this Nashville chicken one is free is <laughs> that is good. It's a blessing. I oh had that God. like the last two days. Was it did not was diversify? It, it was good. I was like, Shaq, oh, yes. okay. Yes. This is I some love good it. shit. Okay. That's my Capitalized plug for Shaquille O'Neal's. Yeah. I think it was called Big Chicken, which makes sense. <laughs> I love it. Okay. That's a great, that's a great answer. Okay. On that note, we can, we can skip on, on out, out of here. All so right. we can take us on out. Yeah. Don't risk it for that. 75 milligrams of THC biscuit. Don't do it. No gummies. All right. Good job, guys. Good job, Megan. Bye. Bye. (laughs)